for this morning's message. We're going to talk about choosing the right battles. Choosing the right battles. Uh, so, uh, want you, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15, chapter 17. Put your finger in there, and we'll get there in a moment. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you, God, as we open up your word. Uh, we pray, Lord Jesus, not only would we be changed by it, we learn from it, but Lord, that you'd have a conversation with us uh, with, the, with this story, with this text, and with these principles. God, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I remember the first boxing match I had ever seen uh, growing up in Detroit. Boxing was actually bigger than football uh, at the time, and still is to a degree. Uh, I grew up watching lots of boxing, and it was always kind of a sport for me. I know for some it's just two guys punching their lights out, but it, there is some athleticism in it, and uh, you know, football is kind of king now. But back then, boxing was a really big deal. And when I was a kid, believe it or not, I was alive when Muhammad Ali was the heavyweight champion of the world. He was older and fatter, but uh, he was, it was the late 70s. I'll just put it at that. And, and the first, you know, boxing, you know, in Detroit, we'd have these big parties, you know, 20, 30 people would come over and, and watch the fight on those old big zenith, you know, that was like a piece of furniture. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I probably slept on it for the first three or four years. It was that sturdy. And we'd come and watch the fight. Well, Muhammad Ali, uh, when he was old for an athlete, uh, he was 36 in the late 70s, he got a somewhat had his era and his day, he decided that he wanted to take on the young Leon Spinks, uh, you know, for the money, partly, probably for the fame and the stardom, but also because Leon Spinks had just received the gold medal in the 1976 Olympics. And so a few years after that, uh, Muhammad Ali thought, you know, I can't have this person kind of, you know, uh, getting higher than me in this in this sport, you know, I've got to I've got to you know, kind of put him in his place, show the world that I'm still a champ, show the world that I can still float like the butterfly and sting like a bee. Oh come on, I worked on that all week. Right. Thank you. Well, it was a fight that Muhammad Ali should have never picked. Uh, he was overweight. He was uh, you know around 240, 250 at the time. He was not in his prime, Leon Spinks was, and in a stunning upset, for those of you who remember the fight, there's some clips of it, Leon Spinks wins the fight. Again, it was a fight that Ali should never have picked, and a fight he should have avoided as Spinks would deliver damaging blows from which Ali would never fully recover. Oddly enough, the Bible, in some ways, has its own version of this. It's the classic battle between David and Goliath. But this morning I want to show you there was actually three battles that occurred that day. Turn with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 25. It says that now the Israelites had been saying, the context of this is the Israelites are on one side of the hill, the Philistines are on the other side of the hill, and every day they're kind of their warrior champion who stood either 9 feet tall or 13 feet tall, depending on who you read, uh, but hey, that's you know still five to <coughs> seven feet more than me, so I wouldn't want to face him. Uh, he would come out in the middle of the valley, and he would challenge Israel to send out a champion, and they would fight for control of the territory. So every day he'd come out, and every day the Israelites would not send somebody, 
and you know, was paralyzing the whole army in fear. I mean, obviously, soon the charge would come, and Goliath would have frightened these people so much they probably would have ran away and become their subjects. In verse 25, it says, Now the Israelites began saying, Do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now, of everything that has been said, what's the thing that we are always gravitate toward? The tax exemption, right? We look at that like, I mean, the, the princess is great and the, you know, the money is fine, but tax exemption. Yes. Now I've got something worth fighting for. <laughs> David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for this man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? And then they repeated it and would have been said that this is, this is what would be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's older brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now David says something very interesting. In fact, I would submit to you this might be the defining moment in his life. Of all the mistakes he would have made before or after, and boy, they are plenty in the Bible documents. Them. He made the right call here. He said, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? And this is what he did. He then turned away to someone else. That is huge. That is huge. If you really look deeply there, that is huge. And come on, this is a man who's about to defeat a giant. He probably has a little bit of fight in him, huh? He probably got a little bit of skill in him. He took down a lion and he took down a bear. What's he lie up? But he chose not to fight that battle. He said, he turned away to someone else, brought up the same matter. And what David overheard was reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. In verse 32, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I want to stop right there. Because my point this morning is just very simple. <coughs> Principles are worth defending. Preferences are not. Choose the right battles. David may have preferred to punch Eliab out and demonstrate to everybody his brother wasn't going to get the best of him. But that wouldn't have been choosing the best battle. It wouldn't have been choosing the right battle. Because Goliath was down there, and David ultimately knew where his destiny lied. Interestingly enough, in our family, we get this sometimes. Uh, we, we restrict our TV viewing time, for a lot of reasons, but mostly so that we can spend time as a family and, uh, you know, it gets, it gets us out breathing this wonderful Pickersville air. And, uh, and right now, anyway, yeah. 
And, but, you know, so we have restrictions. And, you know, and I know this in the back of my head. And so what do I do? I grab the remote first, right? I sit down. I turn on the TV. I put on, which these days is usually Duck Dynasty. And I, you know, I'm sitting down settling in for a nice half hour of television, undisturbed on a show I want to watch. But it always happens. I get thirsty. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to get up somewhere. So I'll get up. I'll put the remote control down. I'll go off to get my glass of water. Or I'll go off to take care of business. And I come back and the kids have come in. They have grabbed the remote and they have changed the channel. And I get so front. How many of you have ever had that happen? You know, you're watching a TV show. You get up to just do something for a second. You come back and they're like, well, you left the room. Oh, you left the remote right there. You weren't. I didn't see you sitting on that couch. And all of a sudden you're like, I just got up for a second. You know, and it, it, it just, this little war happens. You know, I don't want to sit down and watch, you know, a half hour of whatever cartoon or animation of the month that they want to watch. That, God forgive me, even the Christian ones I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch cartoons, you know. I want, you know, I, I want what I want. <laughs> Some of you are going, you're speaking my language, brother. Keep going. You know, and so that this little fight ensues, and you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it, is it a battle worth fighting? You know, another battle that me and the kids have is they never turn the lights off. <laughs> How many of you, you're the one in the family where you go around and you're the one that's like, why is this light on? Will somebody turn the light on? You know, that's costing us money right here. I mean, even though it's, you know, 0.6 seconds a minute, uh, you know, it's, it's costing us money here. Or worse yet, it's the water. I mean, you know, it was one thing when we lived in Washington and the whole state was underwater. But we live in California now. We don't have a lot of water here, you know. So when they leave the water on, I'm, I'm not getting this battle royale with them. Come on, how many of you? You're like, I, I know what you mean. You know, people leave the lights on or the water on. I am right there. You know, so I, I mean, this last one, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, me and, the, I'm just, me and the kids are getting at it. They're like, da, 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 da. Tanya just comes through the front door. The thing I love about my wife is typically with just a look. She can give me that look that says so much. You know? And it was the look that was kind of like, really? Really, Tom? I mean, you know, can we spend an extra $10 a month on our electric bill and keep peace in our home? Yes! No! Still don't shut them all off. In fact, I, I'm really toying with that whole. I know it's a new technology, but that next company where you can shut, turn lights on and off with your cell phone. Could you imagine the control freak I would become if I could sit in my chair and I just start turning off light? I would do it. <laughs> my kids are in the shower. <laughs> See what you think of the lights now. <laughs> My wife's in the kitchen. Ah, ah, no. <laughs> I think there's a, you know. It's, it's, God is teaching, I think all of us lately, really to major in the majors and minor in the minors. You know, if one of my sons disrespects my wife, then that's worth fighting for. If a drug dealer sets up shop on the corner where my kids go to school, that's a battle worth fighting. If my wife begins to feel like our marriage isn't as close 
and it could be, maybe she. She, for me, is very much a battle worth fighting for. If somebody is discouraged or harassed, being beat up by the devil, that's a battle for me that's worth fighting for. But what TV show I'm watching, the standards of cleanliness I may have for my house, giving up gym time in order to take one of my kids to the dentist, allowing that critical coworker to get you all worked up just because they don't like you. That's not worth fighting for. We can get very, very distracted trying to prove our point. In fact, we can spend so much time and energy trying to prove ourselves right. And what do we get at the end of it? We were right. Great. We were right. Good going. But we've lost a piece of our lives. We'll never get back again in that pursuit. Sometimes that is the right battle. There are some times you've got to be right. In fact, I'm going to keep telling myself that today. I have to be right now. <laughs> but there's some times where it is not worth the battle. So my first point is very simple. Not every battle is worth fighting. David's pride was not a cause he felt worth fighting for. Yeah, he could have stood up to Eliab. Yeah, he could have stood up to his brother. Yeah, he could have shown everybody around him what a man he was, what a warrior he was. But you know what? I think David had probably learned over the years he'll never win in that family. But Goliath Goliath was a cause worth fighting for. One question I often ask myself when if this is a battle I should fight or not is, what is the fight going to accomplish? What am I going to win by fighting this battle? Remember, David had three battles. The first battle was with his brothers. He had a lie of taunting him. He correctly realized, if I win this battle with Eliab, I have really won nothing because probably a week from now, Eliab is going to get in with me again over some issue. I'm, just gonna, I'm not even going to fight that anymore, Eliab. I'm not even going to go down that road. For me, that ship has sailed. I'm going to turn around and talk to these guys. That was his first battle. That's the first battle he won that day. Not getting into it with his brothers. Second battle was with Saul. You remember. Saul was okay with him going out to face Goliath. But what did Saul want? He wanted him to wear his armor. Right? I mean, who knows? If David goes out wearing Saul's armor, maybe the people would think it's Saul. Right? Who do you, who do you, how do you tell who's under armor? And so, maybe Eliab would think it was Saul. Maybe everybody would think it was Saul. Of course, David puts it on. I can't. The second battle is he has to look at Saul and say, hey, listen, the Lord has delivered them into my hands. I do not need your armor to help. I'm going to go out there and do it. He wins that battle. But the third battle, the obvious one, was the battle of Goliath. The battle of Goliath. What was in it for David if he won? Come on, I just said it. Tax exemption, right? I mean, come on. He would, I'm just kidding, he would not have to pay taxes. That would have been enough for me. But there was more. First of all, if he'd have lost, they would have been servants and slaves to the conquering army. So he wins his freedom. He wins tax exemption. And what else does he win? He wins a woman. Oh, come on, man. Women are worth fighting for. 
wives are worth fighting for. The most vicious fights of my life have been over a girl, not a football team. <laughs> Girls are a battle worth fighting for if that's the girl God has for you. Amen? Some of you are thinking about that. but uh, <laughs> Another question to ask is, how long are they going to be in your life? You know, the person who just cut you off, five minutes later, they're not going to be in your life anymore. I had this, uh, coming south on 99, when you get off, I believe it's Norris Road or Olive Drive. I can't remember. The exit is kind of weird for me because you get off and there's like a street coming this way. There's a street that way. It's not clear how to get the Olive Drive for me. So, for any of us, thank you. So I began to go down what seems to be the right way, only to realize I think I'm on Norris because it's going to come under the freeway and head toward Oildale. So I thought to, I had just about 10 feet where I could switch my mind and turn up toward the bridge that goes across to Olive Drive. And so I'm going very slow, and I'm just about to make the turn when all of a sudden... And I mean, just this, you know, explosions everywhere start going around. I mean, I got, you know, five people in this car flipping me off and yelling at me. And, and I pull off to the side of the road. I'm completely and thoroughly freaked out. And I'm mad. I don't care if there was five, whatever. I was so tempted to not kick it in reverse, but kick it in first and just go chase them, do a little bit of road rage and throw some things. Maybe I'd have felt a little better. Maybe I'd have got my butt whipped. Probably would have got my butt whipped. But even if I would have won, I mean, the fact of the matter is, what did I do? I made the turn. I looked both ways. I made the turn, went across the bridge. By the time I hit Olive Drive, those people in that incident was no longer even a part of my life. Why would I choose to fight a battle that has no lasting value? They're just, I haven't seen that car again, probably won't. If I do, I'll give you part two of the story. No, <laughs> if David would have fought his brothers, perhaps he wouldn't have fought Goliath. If David would have broke out in fisticuffs there with Eliab, because Eliab was insulting him, perhaps David would never face Goliath. If David never faced Goliath, Perhaps David would have never been king. If David would have never been king, perhaps David would have completely missed what God had for him on earth. You see the importance of choosing the right battles? We can miss what God has for us. When we get involved in the petty conflicts, the battles that God doesn't have for us. Well, there are some he has for us. But not every battle is worth fighting. Number two, not every battle is winnable. Not every battle is winnable. Uh, I had a person in the last church I was at up in Tacoma who, who just liked me. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. I don't know if I was particularly nice to this person or not, but he just liked me. Even when I made mistakes, he would turn around and spin it good. I mean, it was just a person I never had to worry about. He was just always in my corner. He owned his own business, so you know, I'd call him and say, hey, man, I, I need you to come. I need a counselor for camp. Can you come with me? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let so-and-so take care of this, and I'll come with you. you know, or, or uh, you know, yeah, he made a little money, so I'd say, hey, i got two kids who can't go to camp. 
know, can you give me, you know, two or three hundred dollars for them? Yeah, it's going to be there. Don't worry. He was just one of those guys who was in your corner. You know, he called, hey, who, who's taking you out to lunch today? Well, nobody's taking me out. I have to take myself out to lunch. No, I'm taking you out to lunch. He's just one of those great guys. You know, we, we, we golfed together down at Fort Lewis at the base there because he was a vet and everything. So I mean, I've always had it. The vets have always been there for me. Thank God for the military. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just realized you were the vet too. Um, so it's just one of those guys. <clears throat> but then the very last sermon, uh, that I had spoken in the previous church I came from Tacoma. Very, I'm, I, I am five minutes away from not being on ch- on staff at this church anymore. I'm literally, I mean, you know, it's the end of the last service. I'm walking out to my car, going, you know, sleeping in my house for one last night, packing up, going to California. But five minutes before I'm about to leave, a man comes up to me and says, I remember your first sermon. And I, I kind of knew this guy. He'd been, been at the church for the last 10 years. He says, I remember your first sermon. He says, you know what? After your first sermon, I came up and I gave my phone number to you and I said, would you please call me? Now, first of all, I don't know if it's just me or every pastor, but on Sundays, don't don't do that to me. I can't do that. If you have me phone number, my brain is so scrambled after doing all this that that piece of paper could have ended up in Alaska for all that. But he handed me a piece and said, well, let me call you. I probably put it in my pocket. You know, I, five million things happened between the end of the, you know, and, and I just completely forgot. And I, and, I, and I would have apologized to the man if he would have given me a chance, but this was his next sentence. And for 10 years, I have hated you for it. You said that. Talk about confirmation I was supposed to leave Washington. <laughs> he said, for 10 years, I have not given this church a penny for fear that even a little piece of it may go to pay your salary. That's how much I have harbored hatred in my heart for you. And I want to think, uh, I remember in that moment, I was like, well, thank you for coming to church today. You know, I really appreciate the encouragement there. You know? But it, it was just one of those moments where, and I had a discussion, I, I apologized, I did everything I could, you know, try to heal that, say, you know what, I'm really sorry, I, I don't have the best focus, uh, but anyway, and you know, there was nothing. There was no resolution on his part. You know, it, it, it didn't get resolved. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, there's just going to be some people in this world that just don't like you. They just don't like you. I had another kid in our youth ministry who, uh, who came up to me, and he wasn't in that the same heart or spirit as, as the gentleman, but he came up and said, you know, Tom, I like the church, I like youth ministry, everything's fun, but I just don't like you. I said, really? Yeah, I don't know, you... You know, you flail your hands, and you, 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 you first you're loud, and you're talking quiet. Then you're, you know, you're just too stressful for me to watch. I really just need something a little more simple. Now, am I stressful to watch? I mean, do I really get in? I don't think I do. I don't. I have seen people get into it. But anyway, so, so I, when he left, I was mad at him. I thought to myself, wait a minute. He, he doesn't like me. The church is fine, but he doesn't like me. So I go to my mentor, and I, I'm like, man, this, this kid, I don't want him to do, I don't want anything to do with his family, I don't want anything to do with him, I'm just cutting him off. You know, that's what we do when we're mad, we write him off, you know, you're done. And, and my mentor, he, he kind of pulled me aside, he said, well, well, Tom, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it's not a sin to not like you. It's not, you know, there's no Bible verse that says, thou shalt like Tom Nackie. 
Now I think to myself, you know, you're absolutely right. He's doing nothing wrong by sharing with me the preference that he didn't care for me. And what was really weird about that moment is I was completely free. I remember I hugged the guy. I said, you have just set me free. Not everybody has to like me. That's okay. Well, I, was, I played football a lot up there at the junior high. And so we were having a, a pickup game uh, on Sunday afternoon after church. And I remember the kid was a great football player. So we need another player on our team. They say, hey, you know, Naki, can you call someone up? Yeah, I got this kid. I called this kid up who had left the youth group, left the church. And I say, hey, man, we're having a killer pickup game of football here. You want to come and play? He's like, really? You're calling me? He's like, oh, sure, I'll be there. We played the game of a lifetime. I mean, it was just glorious. And afterward, you know, everybody left and all that. And I had brought some Gatorade, and, and we were sitting on the bleachers, and we're talking. He's like, man, I, I'm so surprised you called me. I mean, after our last meeting, I just didn't think you'd ever talk to me again. And I said, well, I, I, said, I, said, I told him what I was told. I said, you know, it's not a sin not to like me. And, and we had a, a great conversation for a good hour or so, and he he looked at me and said, no, you see, now, Tom, I like you like this. You know, us sitting on the bleachers, talking, playing football, I like you like this. I, I love you like this, you know. It's just when you get up there and you, you stress me out. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, I'm sorry. I just, I just only went on to do it. And uh, so but the interesting thing is over the years, I didn't finish this story first service either, so I'll, I'll the last service, I did get quite a few comments. I said some stories. I didn't put the, the, the finishing part. He did come back. Uh, he came back. He graduated, and then he became a college intern and served the youth ministry. And uh, on the day that I was coming to California, he was one of the guys that helped me pack up from my house. But six years earlier, he was like, I don't care. I don't, you know, what are you doing? Not every battle is winnable. Check this out. Here's some solid statistics. 25% of people in this world, they just will not like you, no matter what you do. They just, they won't care. There's 25% who will not like you. There's another 25% who do not like you, but could be persuaded to like you. Those are the ones we go after. There's another 25% who like you, but they could be persuaded not to like you. And then there's 25%, they just love you. They just like you. Amen? Are you part of my 25%? I hope you are. Joy, I need to persuade him. Uh, you know, it, it, you... you when you get involved with a fault finder, fault finders are battles that are really not winnable. You know, if they're not fighting with you, they're going to be fighting with someone else. And then a week later, they're fighting with someone else. I, you know, sometimes I find people, they get in fight mode, and I just, I just back off. You know, I, I had a seminary class with someone who was just always in fight mode. And it always grieved me to see Bible fights and Bible arguments. And I, I always stepped away from that. You know, I, I just... I. You know, if it ain't going to be, if I'm not the target one week, someone else is going to be. You know, sometimes you just got to choose that that's not the battle you're going to fight. Because even if you win, you don't win. It's not winning. 
So, you know, what are the battles that are winnable? Well, the beauty of the Bible is it answers that question for us. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, Paul says this in his closing remarks to that church. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ, through Jesus. So what are the battles that are winnable that God is calling us to fight? The battles that are through Christ. Amen? That's kind of the key right there. David was fighting God's battle when he fought Goliath. He would have been fighting his own battle for pride if he had fought Goliath. Key, key point there. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. The victory of our faith. We're promised to overcome the world, trials, and temptations if we hold in faith. These battles are winnable. Number three, let people see the fruit of what God has done in your life. The best way to answer your critics is to let people see the fruit. The best way to answer your critics, let people see the fruit of God in your own life. You got a conflict? Don't stoop low and, and, and get in this whole eye for eye thing. That's just say, you know what? Go conflict yourself because I'm following God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to remember that. Go conflict yourself. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5. You know, Jesus, Jesus really, really said this well. Said it better than I ever could. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. They're going to see all the incredible things God has done in your life and they themselves are going to say, wow, God, you are good. Wow, God, you're amazing. Maybe I should make this person my enemy. Maybe I should make them my and then last but not least, choose only the battles that God has for you. Obviously, we've kind of been alluding to that all along, but choose only the battles that God has for you. Jesus knew the battles he had to fight, and he knew the ones that he had to ignore. Oftentimes, Jesus used a phrase, particularly in the Gospel of John, and the phrase is, my time has not yet come. You got somebody over here criticizing Jesus, somebody here going after Christ, somebody over, you know, he had, when he was doing his thing, he had a lot of people in opposition to him, and his disciples would always, I think his disciples wanted to see how Jesus would do in a fight. So they would always come and say, Jesus, these people are doing this, Jesus, they're doing that, Jesus, what are you going to do? And Jesus would say, you know, my time has not yet come. They can go conflict themselves. I'm moving on to the next town. I'm moving on to the next soul. I'm moving on to the next area. I'm moving the next lake, the next river. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm shaking dust, and I'm moving on. He stood before the priests. What does the gospel say? It says, he answered not a word. He did eventually. And it was when he was directly asked, are you the son of God? 
That was the battle he knew he had to fight. He knew that that was what was at stake. And it's what got him killed. Because he looked at him, Caiaphas, and he said, I am. Choose only the battles that God has for you. I remember a few years ago, uh, I, I had grown up in, in Detroit, Southeast Michigan, but my parents had bought a little hunting shack, really, in northern Michigan years ago when I was very young. I can't remember it. So I, the one thing that's remained stable for me in the state of Michigan is this, this little home. And so we go up there, and, and I remember all the restaurants, all the little towns, a little town every three or four miles. And one time, me and my mother, I can't remember what we were doing. We were going out trying to get something. And we drove by this old Polish restaurant. And I remember they had the best soup and sausage and whatever it was that they make. Uh, per, 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 uh, pierogies. Pierogies? Something like that. And I remember, oh, I said, Mom, I said, let's go in there and get those. You, I haven't been there since I was a kid. She goes, oh, no. Uh-uh. I ain't going in that restaurant. Uh-uh. I said, why? She goes, I probably haven't been in that restaurant since you were a little kid. So what happened? The service we got there was so horrible, I declared that I would never step foot in that restaurant again. And I stomped out and I left it. Left cash on the table. I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, are you serious? Those people are dead and gone by now. I mean... Come on, I mean, really? You know, we can't go in there. And John, oh, my, you know, you gotta, you gotta let the, you know, why keep this grudge going on? That's not the battle to fight. We didn't end up going. But I think I did get my point across, which is not always the battle to fight, but that's not what I want to win. Fact of the matter is, I see my kids getting older. I see my parents getting older. Some of you, you see kids getting older, grandkids getting older, and your parents getting older. Every day is a gift from God, isn't it? Time is so precious. I was talking to one of our elders. He's one of, you know, one of our older gentlemen in the church. He said, man, it flew, flew by. Can't believe I've ever retired 30 years or 20 years, whatever it was. How long was it done? How long have you been retired? 25 years? Yeah. 26. 26. Who's counting? Just flew right by. I think to myself, you know, time is too precious to be spent fighting the wrong battles. These are... These are days that will never come again. Let's make them best and choose only the battles God has for us. Amen? Amen. Father, we've been leading up to it, but there's also the other battle, which is the battle that we have with you sometimes. talk about battles that we have with people. But Father, sometimes the battle that you want us to address 
is the fights that we have with you. And to a degree, Father, you invite us for that. You invite us to come and reason together. And yet, for some of us, God, that, that battle isn't about reasoning together. Maybe that battle is about belief, wondering if you're even there. Maybe that battle is about identity, who you really are, if you're this powerful God that, that the church talks about, or maybe you're just some force out there that doesn't give a care about anything. It's the battle, the, the, the battle of the theos, the, the presence of God within us. And I'd like to encourage you this morning, church, to choose the right battle when it comes to God. Yeah, we can cry out to Him in frustration at times. Yeah, we can be confused and ask for guidance. You can wonder how God works in one situation, maybe not another. And those, those battles are as old as time. But to surrender the battle of following God, to surrender the battle of resisting, Inviting God into your life and into your heart. I encourage you this morning to give up that battle. To choose the right battle. Which is to invite God in. And if you agree with that this morning, just go ahead and pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I receive your spirit. I give up the battle. Help me to choose the right one as I follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, worship team, come on forward. And church, why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet and we will close.